0: Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show.
1: Classic
0: hits. Of course, I do want to talk about the vaccines and the plan for priority for rollout. I'm not necessarily agreeing with the government, but getting back to the vaccine itself, a team of vaccinators and healthcare workers are set to be the first people on the island of Ireland to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Joan Sloan uh, from Northern Ireland is a sister in charge of the vaccines. 28 years of age just got hers and she's the first woman on the island of Ireland. The 800 strong team will be the first on the island to receive a vaccine administered around the now Belfast Royal Victoria Hospital vaccination centre and Northern Ireland woman, by the way, was the first in the world to actually receive the coronavirus vaccine at half past six this morning. Margaret Keenan. Well done to you, Margaret. 90 years of age and Rightly so. Uh, let's see, uh, you know, if obviously we can help elderly people who are the most vulnerable when it comes to COVID-19. Well, to give me a little bit more information is David Young, who's the Ireland editor of the Press Association. Good afternoon to you, David. Good afternoon. Uh, David, well, I suppose it's a monumental day in some, I suppose for some people, there are still people who are very cautious about the idea of a vaccine. And, and we'll deal with that as we go along, I suppose. But it is, is it a turning point and has it changed the mood somewhat, do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly, um, there's certainly light, let's just say, maybe at the end of the tunnel for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. With the news, first of all, the vaccine has been, an um, a number of effective vaccines have been found. Uh, secondly, and, and obviously most significantly, given today's events, that, that it has gained approval from UK regulators. Yeah. And really, since that point, um, it's been pretty breakneck speed in terms of getting this uh, rolled out. Uh, and and today, yeah, it was quite a moment. Um, shortly after eight o'clock, Joanna Sloane, um, who's the sister in charge of uh, the vaccination centre in the Belfast uh, Royal Victoria Hospital. She was the first first to get the job and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was quite an emotional moment. You know, there, was a, there was applause afterwards, there was cheers. I suppose these are replies. historical
0: moments in some sense because we've gone through a very historical time as human beings. But I know the Deputy First Minister, Michelle O'Neill, said the tide is turning. Uh, the first person will receive the vaccine today. She was talking, obviously, earlier on about this and brighter days are ahead. But I mean, Northern Ireland yesterday, when we look at the figures, Northern Ireland is struggling badly at the moment. 11 deaths, sadly, 419 cases. In comparison to, I suppose, the south of Ireland, which seem to have the case numbers lower, and thankfully for the last two days, zero deaths, although we've had some high days as well. What do you think the problem is in Northern Ireland, in Belfast? I mean, because I, I know people are equally as worried about it up there and mostly complying with the regulations and restrictions. So what is the problem?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose, just to go back, it is a strange mix of emotions today because, yes, this happened, and this sort of chink of optimism has happened today, but it, it happened in the middle of a lockdown. Um, mm mm-hmm. And, you know, lockdowns and restrictions, I don't think are going to be um, consigned to the history bin anytime time soon, uh, not certainly until, you know, we get maybe three, four months into this vaccine, vaccination um, programme and, and the people who are, who are deemed most vulnerable get the job. Mm-hmm. In terms of what's happened in Northern Ireland, I think... Um, I think there was... There were, I think the politicians and maybe the health officials, they all collectively recognised that there was, there was maybe a... a, a the... the um, People took their foot off the pedal somewhat over the summer. Um,
0: Was it it a case, maybe David, that if we look back at the start of COVID-19 in March, April, May, I remember in Northern Ireland, the case numbers and the deaths were very low in comparison to the south. For example, it was the opposite way around. And considering, of course, there's only 1.8 million people in the north and 4.9 in the south. So the cases, it was the, we were looking at it differently. In other words, they were looking at us going, gosh, you've, you guys have got it bad down there. So is it a case now that we're seeing that because the, sadly the majority of people that die, die in care homes, there are the elderly people who are the most vulnerable. Is it reaching the care homes now in Northern Ireland and it's a kind of delayed reaction or is that what's happening now?
1: Well, I think to, to a certain degree, um, obviously COVID, the whole the pandemic has been an awful experience for everyone, but given the warnings that a lot of people were given at the start of the pandemic in terms of what we were potentially looking at in terms of, of death figures, uh, those mm. didn't materialise. Thank, well,
0: thankfully, so, yes. Yeah, thankfully.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think a lot of people, um, there was a sense potentially that, you know, Northern Ireland mightn't have experienced um, the impact of, of COVID as... Um, this wave it might have done in the first wave, and that maybe potentially led to a degree of complacency, and, and maybe Northern Ireland is actually experiencing its first wave now, so to speak. Or I get you, yeah, I get you. That's,
0: that's what I'm certainly thinking. Certainly the height yeah. of a
1: first wave now, yeah. um, because the, the first wave, while bad, um, wasn't, uh, you know, certainly the Health Minister at one point was was warning of potentially 15,000 deaths, I know. So they they the they wave. predicted
0: one hundred and twenty thousand here back yeah. in March. You know, and thankfully yeah, so that didn't materialize.
1: Biblical sort of stuff we're talking about. Oh, and I that didn't materialize, and I think materialized. public
0: materialized. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, look. Certainly here, I know in Ireland, there's a sense today. You know, and not just today, since the announcement of vaccines going back a couple of weeks ago from Pfizer that businesses are starting to look at things a little bit brighter-eyed, where we can kind of see, as we talked about, this kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Now, there is still a few doomsdayers out there who are telling us we could be stuck with these lockdowns for two or three years. I certainly hope not. I don't think people could withstand that. Is that the same view up there that maybe businesses, when they open back up on Friday, they're opening back up in the north, aren't they?
1: Yeah, so they're opening on... uh, The current circuit break lockdown ends on Friday, um, and that's ahead of of Christmas. I think we're in the position of um, I don't think people think we're out of the woods in terms of restrictions. Certainly, and um, I think people acknowledge that the relaxations that are going to happen uh, over Christmas and over the festive period there will be a consequence for that in regard to case numbers and um, in regard to infection rates. So mm-hmm. I think most people are, you know, almost accepting that there will be restrictions to come in January. What I think has changed with the vaccine is it now doesn't seem to be some sort of you know never-ending cycle of restrictions they now see an end point in the future it might be still a, a distant future but it's still but at least it's something to look at dealing with a, yeah, yeah we're absolutely. dealing with a finite period I think now is the well, difference well Arlene and Michelle is
0: as we well know, Arlene and Michelle don't get on too well together. I mean, have they dealt with it particularly badly in Northern Ireland uh, over the last six or seven months? Because there doesn't agreement is not their uh, primary concern, to be honest, which it seems anyway from what we're, we're looking down here. Certainly there isn't to be an awful lot of agreement. Has that caused a huge problem up there? And also, by the way, the financial aspect, because obviously Northern Ireland, uh, they're not getting too much financial help from, uh, from England and from, the, from Boris. So, you know, they've kind of been left on their own. And at one stage, they were more or less indicating they couldn't afford lockdowns. Uh, which, by the way, I don't think any country can. We're all borrowing for the goddamn things. So has that been a problem in the North, the, the actual affordability of, you know, closing down business and, and you know, subsidising business?
1: Yes, I mean, certainly Northern Ireland's dependency on, you know, the UK's Treasury has been, you know, led in stark relief during the pandemic. And certainly there's been that, um, that tension between... Uh, you know, the need to breathe life into the economy, but the the need to protect lives at the same time. And I think um, certainly the most recent periods of restrictions, they almost um, happened uh, because there was such a reluctancy to do it on their own. But then when it happened across the rest of of the UK and the Chancellor announced measures like, you know, the extension of the furlough scheme, Mm -hmm. some of these measures that, that were in position that were sort of going to end at the sort of the end of October time there was a real concern about putting in new restrictions and, you know Northern Ireland acting on its own yeah. without that financial cover from the Treasury when it became a UK wide situation of further lockdowns and more financial support I think they felt a bit more assured that they could take action and that, you know, jobs will be protected. People are still on the furlough here, will be until March. So that's certainly give them a, 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 a significant degree of cover.
0: And do, 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 of, you, do know, you think the politics played... A, do you think the politics played a negative role in the way it was dealt with? Yeah,
1: well, so the problem... The thing with our politicians up here is when they fall out, they, they tend to fall out spectacularly.
0: Yes, and I've
1: seen that. So <laughs> it grabs a lot of attention. There's, there are meltdowns, people fall out, you know, there are rows, um, and that's the nature of sometimes a monetary coalition, Government, I would imagine if, if um, Sinn Féin and, F- and Fine Gael were, were were forced into the same administration and had to share power together there would be quite a few fallings out as well. Yep, um, yep. So there have been falling out, but I don't maybe think there have been as many as people might have expected. There's been a few blow-ups along the way, but well, I think the funeral—the funeral
0: certainly caused a huge amount of problems. Yeah, although
1: that was almost like you know, that was almost like a political dispute in the middle. It wasn't necessarily over. It was to do with compliance with regulations, but it wasn't to do with we think we should do this or we think we should do that. It was to do with compliance and um, and obviously the whole legacy and the narrative of of Northern Ireland came came flying into the middle of that. Mm -hmm. That maybe we were slightly fortunate in Northern Ireland that that happened in the middle of the summer, so it wasn't in the middle of, you know, a period of its soaring infection numbers when that incident actually happened. We were very, very low infection numbers, and um, I suppose some people might argue it didn't have that much of a consequence in terms of what was actually happening yeah. because the virus was suppressed at that point. But yeah, I mean, they've been falling out, and, and I suppose a lot of the falling out, uh, not necessarily. The Bobby Story funeral, as we said, was more... Well, I, I think it was, I, I, I think
0: probably one of the worst ones was just before the last circuit breaker when businesses didn't know until literally that yeah. day that they were going to be closing, which was really unfortunate for business who had staff yeah. to contact and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that, that was difficult. So,
1: I suppose it's funny, everyone, everyone sort of tends to view things through a green and orange prison, but, I mean, but those rows essentially have been you know, more of a sort of a DUP pro-business um, yeah. type perspective, Sinn Féin and the other parties um you, you know more more you know really really intent on sticking to the to the letter of uh you know the public health advice certainly at that point in time that was their point okay. of view so it was almost um it was just it was a sort of a strange dynamic not to be sort of you know down that sort of orange and green the usual now, Absolutely, but, it of a, a but, but
0: look, it's good news anyway. The first woman uh, in the world, of course, a historical moment. Margaret Keenan, ninety years of age, also from Northern Ireland. From yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but now, obviously, in Coventry University, she got it yeah, at half past this yeah. morning. The first uh, woman on the island of Ireland, obviously in Northern Ireland as well. And just, just one final question, I suppose, in relation mm-hmm. to what's happening now, the concern about COVID nineteen, and lumped on top of that, particularly for Northern Ireland, well, I suppose for the South as well, is you know Boris Johnson not being able to, to be so indecisive in relation. To Brexit, are people actually talking about Brexit in Northern Ireland, or do they actually care? Um,
1: well, I suppose I'll tell you what: businesses certainly care. Um businesses that, that, that trade across the water, um, you know, have absolutely no idea what's going to happen come January the first in terms mm. of what. Uh, documentation. they might have to.
0: No oh, this is. We, well, we, we know a, what's going to happen here, don't we? This will be decided the twenty seventh, the twenty eighth, or something ridiculous like the last time.
1: Yeah, I suppose we should be used to it by now. <laughs> yeah. also in terms of last minute deadlines, but I thought. I think with people, when you know, it's. Basically, you're talking about food supplies almost being um, yeah at risk here in terms of that's the supermarkets of Warren Dunn. No, they're, so they're, they're talking about food. it. We're,
0: we're talking about six mile tailbacks from Dublin Port here, you know, if this goes ahead, you know what I mean?
1: But Which is looking I bad. I think people really up here are, you know, it's the, sort of the all politics is local up here. So people are, yeah, they're concerned about Brexit, but they're concerned more about, you know, will I be able to get X package from Amazon now or will I be able to, you <laughs> yeah. know, get the same. Will the same things be on, my, on the supermarket shop that were before? It's those sort of like individual impacts on the consumer that I think people are, are
0: yeah, primarily course, concerned about now. All right, um, well, look, hopefully that goes well. i see
1: you on January the 1st.
0: Yeah, well, look, hopefully it all goes well. And hopefully the right decisions are made in the interest, the best interest of everybody on the island as well. But listen, thank you very much. And I appreciate you coming on the air. David Young, Ireland editor uh, of the Press Association. And I appreciate you coming on the air to talk about that.